A little girl vanishes into thin air. I looked under cars. I looked in bushes. The investigation still haunts the community. It's a nightmare. At first, you don't believe it's actually happening. They were out searching, and I said, she's going to be in the water. He walked around the pond, and he said, what's that? I'm Bryn Caswell, reporter and weekend news anchor at Dayton 24-7 Now. Feel yourself slipping deeper and I'm Nathan Edwards, morning news anchor, and this is Missing Erica Baker, a podcast from Dayton 24-7 Now. In this episode, we piece together the mystery that started on a rainy day in the park and look at how the investigation started from all angles. A sergeant from the Kettering Police Department is sitting in a wood-paneled room. He has a red-collared shirt on, khakis, and a dusty blonde mustache, right in style for 1999. A couple in their late 60s walks in, and he stands up to greet them. I'm Joe Niehaus. Joe, nice to know you. Yeah. Hi. Nice to meet you, Joe. You guys have a seat. The woman has a halo of blonde curls that she probably set in curlers that morning. Her husband, Rex, wears khakis and has gray hair parted, kind of like Sam Watterson, but it's hard to tell. The footage is grainy. It's more than 20 years old. The couple has since died. He starts with basic questions. Start from the beginning for me. Uh, like when we went to church and we went out to brunch and we came home and quickly changed our clothes to take That's our good. dog out. Uh, okay, I- then the sergeant asks if he can hypnotize the husband Rex and hopes he would relax and remember more details from three days ago when he and his wife were walking their dog Muppet through Kettering Park. Nobody will bark like a dog or bark <laughs> like a chicken. But um, first of all, hypnosis is, is a natural thing. Concentrate on my voice and breathe deeply, very calm. Feel yourself slipping deeper and deeper, becoming more and more relaxed. Relaxed. And the tension flows right out your fingers. Now we're back in time. February 7th. It's 4 o'clock. The day Erica Baker disappeared. What's happening now? It's raining. We're getting out of the car. Take our dog for a walk. Putting up the umbrellas. Putting up the hoods. Sipping up the coach. Just looking at the pond area where we want to go. What do you see? It's very quiet, very deserted. Don't see any people except a what looks like a little girl. And a slicker, reddish slicker. Looks like she has a dog with her. What else can you tell me about her? As you look at her. Got the hood up. Can't really see a face without an umbrella. When's the last time you see her? She's just about in front of us. Just looking, I'm almost looking straight up the football field. That's the last I saw. That was the last time anyone saw Erica Baker. 
The older couple was wrapping up their dog walk, just a few minutes after the husband last saw the girl in her raincoat. The wife remembers the water in the pond being unusually high from the rain. Then they saw something in the distance. What is it? It just looked like a black and white spot of some sort. It must have been kind of laying low because it was barely visible, and then all of a sudden the head was looking at us. It seemed frightened when it saw us. Turned and ran a little bit. Erica's dog, Jamie. The long-haired little shih tzu was wet, wearing a collar with tags jingling around her neck and a leash still attached. She got up and scurried. She just went around the corner of the building. I figured she was going to run, but she didn't. She just ran around there and stayed, looking around to see if there's anyone around to claim her, to say it's her dog. Moments before, Erica was playing with her dog. But now her dog is looking at this older couple, as if asking them to return her to her owner. They look around. Everything's empty, no trucks, no cars. Building on the right, no one there, no one, nothing. Looks deserted, the whole thing. Toward the woods, toward the park now. No, the fields up there where they play football and stuff, the little kids, no, it's all empty, no But the little girl was nowhere to be found. This is the lay of the land when Erica disappears. A rainy day that encourages only a few dedicated dog walkers to the park. A pond collecting rainwater, getting deeper by the moment. And a wet, frightened dog that's otherwise unharmed. These details would come to haunt Kettering and become crucial in the investigation. The couple tries to find some answers at the recreation center at the center of the park. It looks like a big YMCA, a sprawling brick complex anchoring this neighborhood. Remember, this is 1999. Most people didn't have cell phones. The woman calls the police department from the rec center and they send someone to take the dog to the pound so the dog could be reunited with her family. The husband and wife would be back home by 6 p.m. that Sunday. But down the block, at Erica's mom and grandmother's house, they started frantically searching for Erica, in the bushes, at all of her friends' houses, everywhere. Greg Baker, Erica's dad, just finished dinner when... I got a phone call from Misty, Erica's mom. She's like, now don't panic. She goes, we can't find Erica, but you might want to come down here. So, of course, I panicked, and I, yes, I sped all the way here. When I arrived, it kind of was all surreal seeing all the police. We're speaking to him from the same park that was an active police scene 23 years ago. Law enforcement was firing on all cylinders. Police camped out in front of Misty and Pam's house. Down the street, what seemed like the whole neighborhood flooded the park. Helicopters chopped overhead. Floodlights pierced through the darkness of night, looking for a nine-year-old girl with a hood covering her head being pulled by a small, fluffy dog. What was the active scene like out here with police? What did it look like? Well, they had had police dogs. They were searching around here. They pretty much put their command center up in the, in the parking lot up there, and there were police and fire that was out here. And as it got out that Erica had disappeared, that's when the public started showing up. People were wanting to know if they could help. When did that parent's intuition kick in and you realize that 
your gut told you that something had happened? Well, very shortly after the fact that I actually got here and started looking and seeing just how serious it was. We didn't know if somebody had kidnapped her. We didn't know. We, we had no clue what had happened. Meanwhile, Detective Bob Green was finishing a trip across the state in Cincinnati. He was with family, celebrating his son's fifth birthday. He remembers planning to wake up early to tackle a pile of work on his desk that Monday morning. He settled into bed, and around 10.30, his phone started to ring. And they said, we have a missing child. She was last seen near, at that time, the information was near the pond at the rec center, and we need you to respond. So... When you get that call and you hear that information as a detective, where do you go from there? What was the first thing on your mind to do? Well, the first thing was get there and she probably fell into the pond, to be honest with you, is what I thought. When I arrived, they already had fire department out, a boat with a dog hanging over it, sniffing the water. It was dark. It had stopped raining. It was a, that, that rain that day was a slight misty drizzle, like it wasn't a heavy rain, but it was just a dreary day. Um, it had cleared up and uh, they were out searching and I said to myself, she's going to be in the water. We will return after a short break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. A dreary gray day ending in darkness. The pond was about the size of a football field with the pond's water level unusually high from the rain. Could Erica have fallen into the pond? It's sadly not that unusual for children. The CDC says drowning is the leading cause of death for children four years old and under, even though Erica was nine at the time. They started draining the pond almost immediately. Did they drain the whole pond? Yeah, and they drained it down. They had about a foot, maybe two feet to go. It took about two or three days. And they drained it completely down, take it to the dirt, you know, take it all the way down and and the captain stepped in and they took it down. So she wasn't in the water? No. Did you think that they would find Erica when they drained it? Uh, I was uh, almost 99.9% positive they would not. Misty, Erica's mom, shared the same sentiment. I said she's not in there. 
So you never thought she was in there? She knew, I, my kids grew up around a pool. Mm -hmm. They've been swimming since they were six months old. So, no. She used to go fishing with me in the rivers. So, I mean, she pretty much knew her way out of the water. Sportsman by nature? Yeah, sportsman by nature. She was a little cheerleader and uh, she wanted to do everything her brothers did. So it wasn't that she was very timid. She could be a princess when she wanted to be, but she could also be a tomboy when she wanted to be. Remember, Pam and Misty were following the police's direction and were staying at home in case Erica found her way back that night. But with the sirens, helicopters, and neighbors shouting Erica's name, they made their way back to the center of the community, the park. They watched the pond drain to the very last drop. That's where Misty first met Detective Bob Green. He came up to it. Uh-huh, what did he say to you? Oh, he wanted to go back home. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not very good with directions. The Recreation Center, where the father-daughter dance was happening just hours earlier that evening, became a de facto meeting place starting that night. And when I walked in, that was the first I saw him. And I walked in and I thought, oh my God, it's Fonzie. I thought, because he had on this leather jacket and you know, it, it just dried off. I wanted the best. Well, I didn't realize then he was the best um, and was totally dedicated to finding her. But yeah, at first I was not impressed and I'm sure he wasn't either. <laughs> Detective Green was in his early thirties when he was first assigned the case in 1999. He only had seven months of detective work under his belt before Erica disappeared. So he was paired with a more experienced detective. He joined the force as a patrol officer, then made the lateral move to investigator. He was confident his strengths were interviewing and interrogation. He inspired to be an advocate for children and their families. But he wasn't operating alone, not by a long shot. I couldn't even tell you how many detectives were assigned to it. And police departments have a playbook for when a child goes missing. At this point in the evening, they had already talked to a few suspicious individuals, previous sex crime offenders living nearby. They also talked to the parents. We then interviewed both mom, dad, and uh, grandma, and step-grandpa. We had them come individually to the rec center. It was kind of our home base. We didn't want everyone just leave the house in case she came home, in case there was a phone call. What were police telling you when you got here? <clears throat> really not much of anything. Greg Baker, Erica's dad, again. They were wanting to know where I was and just, uh, they were bombarding us with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, a whole bunch of questions. They've got to search every avenue of the disappearance of anybody. So of course they're gonna look at us. And that's where it turned to where they started interrogating us and trying to get uh, and, and find out whether I had anything to do with it or Misty had anything to do with it. Did it hurt? Oh, it hurt. You know, and then, like I said, I, they, they asked me if I want a lawyer, and I said no, because there was no reason for me to have a lawyer, because mm -hmm. there was nothing that I had to do with the disappearance. I didn't sleep much that night. No, how could you? Yeah, I believe I was in my car that night looking and, and I fell asleep in my car in some place where I don't remember where it was, but, and then we were back over here the next day. When did you realize that this was 
she's not just missing? Probably the very next day. When you're sitting there and it's getting dark and the, and the rain's coming down and it's getting cold and your child's not home, that's when reality really hits. It's a nightmare. At first, you don't believe it's actually happening. Once that nightfall becomes day again and your child is not home, that's when it really hits home. Detective Green stayed on the scene until the very early hours in the morning. About 5.30, our sergeant said, go home, get some rest, be back by 8. Went home, got in bed, phone rang again, need you to come back in. It's now 6.15 <laughs> and uh, uh, meet with the FBI because the FBI was notified. When a child at that age, I think any, any child under 13 or 12, FBI gets notified, though it doesn't involve crossing state lines or anything. And we were fortunate enough that when the FBI got involved, they sent us two great agents, both have retired, and they brought with them the child abduction response team. Chief Odell and his administration uh, were outstanding because they said, we're not gonna reinvent the wheel, we're gonna, we're gonna adopt their philosophies. And we did to the T. They were assigning different types of duties to other people, but yet they weren't assigning me. And the investigator, the FBI agent, had always talked about a lead investigator. And I'm like, who's this? You know, God, I hate to be that guy. He's getting a lot of work. <laughs> and, because we never used that terminology. And he kept referring to the, this goes through the lead investigator, this is. So, me being the, the bright light on the Christmas tree, um, I finally went up to my sergeant. I said, who's this lead investigator they're talking about? And the sergeant said, oh, I'm sorry, I've been meaning to get with you. That's you. <laughs> We, we would have two briefings a day, one at 8 o'clock in the morning and then one at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Briefings for your... Just for detectives, detectives. Detectives and searchers. The city manager and the mayor would be there as well. They'd sit in. They weren't sparing any expense. How long were you guys doing those two-a-day briefings? How long did that last? <laughs> well, we worked 16 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, and... I think it lasted a year, but it didn't. Uh, <laughs> it was a couple weeks. I remember because I wouldn't see my kids. They were in bed before I got home, and I left before they got up. I remember one day my wife telling me that our daughter, who's, who's the oldest, went to her, and her friend told her how she was going to go visit her dad that weekend. And it was the first time my daughter knew anything about divorce and I wasn't home, and she asked my wife, point blank, as kids do, are you and daddy getting a divorce? And my wife just jokingly said, well, honey, it's kind of like a divorce. Your dad's not here, but we got a lot of money coming in, you know, trying to make light of it. Um, and, and that's the one thing I, I have to say about my wife, uh, just incredible, the, what she put up with. I mean, there were six Christmases where we were out shopping for the kids and I'd have to leave to go do something on the Erica Baker case. Maybe on the seventh year, we, got, we did all our Christmas shopping. I didn't notice and we're driving back and she said, the first time you haven't had to leave wow. in, in six years. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it had a strain on her too. Do the days start to blend together? You say 16 hours, seven days a week. No, absolutely. In fact, it got so bad that administration had to step in and say, okay, guys, and gals, we're, we're backing off. 
We're, we're going to split you up in two teams, and you'll work eight hours and then 12 hours, uh, depending on the letter, because they, the administration could see it. As many years as you spent as a detective, you've seen a lot of things. You've handled a lot of cases. What makes this one different to you? It's been my life for 23 years. During the time that this case happened, I had some personal issues. And um, it reminds me of those issues. Uh, I have uh, been sober for 23 years. I was sober for a month and a half when I got this case. Not proud of it, not ashamed, but I uh, got through it every day. I had a friend of mine, uh, told him how I used to get in the car and get ready to go to work and say God hated me. And because uh, he gave me this case when uh, I just stopped drinking. And my friend wisely said, I don't believe that, Bob. I think God loves you. And I said, why? And he said, because he was keeping you too busy so you wouldn't have time to drink. And he was absolutely right. So she, uh, she kept me sober. In many ways, this case has been a blessing and a curse in different ways. Absolutely. Do you still spend a lot of time thinking about this? Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this? Yeah, it, it, as time goes by, um, you know, things fade and stuff. But when you have other people that come on, like, that are energized, it energizes me. I know her birthday. I remember February 7th. So it, it, it just it keeps you driving. The days blend into nights. The pond is drained. Volunteers would come and go. Family and friends searching far and wide. But there remained no answers in sight. From the get-go, some suspected foul play. A girl doesn't just disappear. Remember the older couple who last saw her? They thought the dog's condition was suspicious. When I saw that little dog with that leash on, my first thought was foul play. I, I had no other thought. I mean, like, okay, we'll go look for her, but I just couldn't believe that the way that kid was playing with that dog and stuff, that, that the kid would have taken off and left the dog. I just, it just didn't make any sense. But it just, it was, it was spooky to see that dog sitting up there by itself. And at that point, you start thinking, did I see any, you know, where could she have gone? As the days turned into nights and the nights turned into weeks, the family, law enforcement, neighbors across the region, everyone came together to search for Erica with one question on their mind. Where did she go after she disappeared from the Kettering Park? They refused to give in to despair, but hope was hard to find as months and months passed. Then one name emerged that would lead investigators closer and closer to unlocking this mystery. Christian Gabriel. 
They cannot do nothing to you until they find her body. Is that what they say? Yep. <laughs> they can't do nothing until they find her body. That's all for this episode of Missing Erica Baker, a podcast from Dayton 24-7 Now. Find us in your podcast app next Tuesday. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you can never miss an episode. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review. It really helps new listeners find the show. Thanks to our production team from Sinclair Broadcast Group, Becky Golden, Michael Oyan, and Holden Robinson. And our production team at Pod People, Amy Machado, Danielle Roth, Jazzy Johnson, and Adam Raimunda. This is still an active investigation. If you have any tips about the case, please contact Kettering Police at 937-296-2555. For more reporting from Dayton, head to Dayton247now.com. We've created a special section dedicated to this podcast. Until next time, I'm Nathan Edwards. And I'm Bryn Caswell. This has been Missing Erica Baker. 